Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello Dungeonistas and welcome to this, The Rugby Dungeon. Thank you for listening, thank you for subscribing and thank you for following us on Twitter. I'm at Jay Beardmore, this podcast is at The Rugby Dungeon and of course there is the world's biggest rugby podcast, The Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast and there are a lot of rugby podcasts out there now. We're still the biggest, me, Tim and Phil, every Monday without fail. Of course, if that's not enough rugby for you, there's also the Thistle Rugby Podcast. Everything Scottish rugby out every Sunday without fail. I'd also like to ask if you can possibly spare some time to leave us a iTunes review for any of our podcasts, please do so. Much, much appreciated. Now, it's probably a good time to mention our new partner down here in the Rugby Dungeon, Philip Santandre Rugby Academy, which could not be further away from the dingy, dark surroundings of the Rugby Dungeon. In fact, this is held in the French Alpine town of Teen, with its crystal clear waters and breezy mountain air. This is basically a high-performance academy for kids aged 14, 16. If you, if you want your kid or you are someone aspiring to be a professional rugby player, no better place to go than Teen. This is the place where Philippe Sansandre took his French team uh, in their World Cup preparations. It is a really high-end, high-spec sports analysis facility geared up for rugby so if you're interested go and visit their website uh, PSA Academy and see see what you think Uh, let them know that we sent you and uh, you won't regret it really high quality organization who are all about maximizing talent now this next podcast is a bit different and if you like it please let me know because I might do more podcasts like this basically what's happened here is a Gloucester fan has said you must speak to Mark Atkinson I've done so and instead of having a structured conversation like I usually do, we just started talking. I thought, actually, this sounds pretty good. So I recorded it, and there's no introduction, there's no nothing. The next voice you'll hear is Mark. I think me and him are talking about box kicking, and after that, we just t- chat for an hour about various things in rugby. So if you like it, let me know. We'll do more like this. If you don't, let me know. We'll do less like this. I can tell you I really enjoyed it. So um, sit back, enjoy the podcast. Here is Mark Atkinson. <laughs> out there the ones at the moment especially who are doing you know that a lot of the commentators think they were a lot better than they were and and, and to quickly forget that the game that they played five years ago um you know isn't quite as easy when you're watching it on tv or you're watching it in the you know you're watching it in the pouring down rain on a friday night and, yeah and people are saying well why aren't they spreading the ball around in 22 and you go oh, God. <laughs> uh, all facts back up the idea that the team that has the ball less wins the game at the moment, which is unfortunate, but 
Um, I am so glad that you said that, you know, because I've had this argument with um, my colleagues on, on Egg Chasers yesterday, and they were they were banging on about, well, one of them was banging on about how bad box kicking is. And I was like, no, no, you don't get the idea. The, the whole point of the box kick is to make them drop players so you can attack them. I know. I took, I took, because um, obviously now I've just got injured, I took a, um, I took one of the lounges at Gloucester last week, a home mm. game, and I, and it was just after a game where we, we lost to Northampton with like, you know, by a point at home in a game that we dominated all day in a horrible, wet, muddy conditions. And I, I, you'll have probably seen what our pitch is like at the moment anyway. So yeah. nothing, you know, nothing, nothing went for running rugby anyway. And, and I took this lounge and there was questions pouring in. Oh, why, you know, every time the ball was kicked, we were getting booed the week before, you're kicking too much. And I would say it was about three minutes away from being a masterclass from Billy Burns. And, and it just so happened that because, you know, a, a penalty try and a yellow card went against us with five minutes to go, that we end up losing. And I, and I was getting so many questions in this lounge. You know, why are we kicking the ball like this? Why are we blah, blah? I said, well, hang on. I said, does, any, you know, does anybody know who kicked the ball more last week? And well, well, we kicked the ball more. I said, Northampton kicked the ball four times more than us in last is that, week. And is they that beat right? Us. And I said, yeah, they, they outkicked us on the day and they beat us. And I said, I said, they played no rugby whatsoever and they managed to win. And, and we played more rugby, kicked less and lost. So it just, and I said, it was just after the, um, the Bath Sale game. They played on the Friday night a couple of weeks ago. Uh, sorry, Bath Newcastle game up there, and Ford had missed a few, which you know very unlike him. And 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 I and I was saying to them, you know, um, Bath Bath lost to Newcastle, didn't they? Mm. Up there, Ford missed a few, and I said Bath ran more than they've run all season. Ford kicked less that night than he kicked all season, and they lost the game. And I, and I, I just think people have got this this idea that you should be able to run, but if people want us to play on Friday nights with a you know, a soaking wet ball, people aren't going to take the risk anymore. Yeah, no, people say it's boring, right? And I will, I would always put this to them, which is, if you think it's boring with kicking, imagine what it's going to be like if you had a full, a full defensive line of 15 lads and you just had to run at each other, because that would be boring. You, you wouldn't get anywhere. And this is where, this is where people don't understand that, you know, once you, once you get into attacking into the 22, mm-hmm. that ultimately is the hardest place to score from. Because you've got 13 people on their feet, you know, maybe two sweeping around the back, but 13, 15, you, more often than not, you've probably got 14, 14, 13, 14 people on their feet at any one time. Mm. And these days, defences are so good. They are so hard to break down. And the, the easiest way to break them down is probably from 30, 40 metres out, where they've got to have two or three players in the backfield, and you can get, you, you know, you can try and outwork people around the corner, get quick ball. But the idea that, yeah, you can't, you know, to score with 15 people on the feet, you have to get two or three people making a defensive error, which everyone knows is very tough to do these days with the with the sort of the calibre defences. So mm. I know people say, you know, defences are on top defences, but it's Saris have shown for years that defensive win, defences win games, and now they've added, they've got what I think people don't perceive with Saris anymore. They've got one of the best attacks that you'll see. Yes. And what they do is they don't waste any energy. They just come alive. 30 metres out, they go from you know, 70 80% to right up to 100%. Whereas other teams who've messed around 40, 50 metres out from their own line for 10 phases, and it, and it looks, you know, oh, that's a, that's a pretty shape they've just pulled. They've done a few balls out the back and spread it to the width. 
and Saris might have put the ball up, up. But as soon as they get up the field, you just see an intensity go up that you don't see with other teams. And that's what I think people miss out a little bit. The fact that they are, they are still, they're the best side. They're sort of the most forward thinking side, even when it comes to 30 meters out. And, and that's, it's not just their defence that wins the matches because they score a lot of points. Yes, they do. What do you think of the approach taken by teams like, like Exeter then, which is they get into that final third? And I love that um, that kind of one out and then they kind of bludgeon you for a good three or four minutes. Yeah, and they... And they so with Exeter, it's, it's interesting because they play some of the most expansive rugby. And then as soon as they get right up there, you do see them come in, co-compact, and they just say we're going to win this because I think they understand that you, you can't spread it. Once you get into the 22, it's very hard to start to spread the ball because if you get caught wide, chances are you're going to get turned over. Whereas high up the pitch, there's always chances to take soft edges. And, um, and they are some of the best. They pull some of the best shapes about taking the soft edge, I think, Exeter. I think they, they've, they've had a really nice idea with playing two or even three ball players at times and moving you around the pitch. But... Um, I think you still see it, you know, when, when when that sort of nice shape comes up against a really good defence, like well-drilled defence, like Sarri's, like like what we sort of trying to pride ourselves on building at the moment, mm. um, like an aggressive line speed defence, and more teams are, are going that way. Um, you still see a, a lot of good, good, really, really good attack attacks come unstuck against it. Um, but I, I think you're right. I think someone like Exeter have got a, a brilliant policy because they all know that's a team that definitely know how they want to play and they are they play good expansive rugby mm. but then they can win ugly and they can they know when they want they want want to do you up front they can they can take it to you and I think even though they they didn't have a great start to the season did they they, no, they, they didn't were, they were sort of you know down there ninth tenth but they didn't move away they didn't panic they didn't move away they just said we, I think probably behind closed doors they've already said oh we've come away from some bad losses and and I'm games they probably should have won and they've all just stayed together stayed with what they were doing and they've I don't know they're up to top four comfortably now aren't they oh I'd say yeah I mean and, um, and also I think, I think they'll stay there one, too oh they'll stay there yeah I think that's one thing that we sort of took out we, we had a you know a few results where we said that could easily have been two or three games on the bounce where we've won them by a few points rather than losing them by a few points and um, I think the main thing was just don't go away from what's the idea that you're within a couple of points of some of the best teams in the league means that you are close to being one of the best teams in the league. It's no, it's no coincidence that you've, we've lost a few to by a couple of points, mm. and um, and that could easily have been the other way around. It's just, it's just finding that that sort of extra few percent, I guess. That's that's the magic few percent, though, isn't it, to change them around? Exactly. So tell me this. Um, you said earlier on uh, you're relying on defensive mistakes. Do you know when you're looking at your videos and your and your analysis, how how many mistakes are there in games? How many can you say? Well, a team um, we think we're going to have three mistakes, and we've got to and we've got and we've got to capitalise on every one. I guess it's probably not mistakes because that's probably it's probably the wrong term for it. I think it's probably good play. Quite often, good good play which causes mistakes in defensive lines. You know, bad reads, someone biting in on the edge that they shouldn't bite in, um, someone. Um, it is, it's more often you see that where it's, it's a case of someone making a bad defensive read um, or someone, someone in attack doing something really good, individual, you know, an individual step, a dummy, something like that. Um, but you, you, you know that I think, 
the way the way I see it, in in the league, there's going to be times in games where you know whether it's the top team playing the bottom team, the bot because all teams are pretty close. Yeah, and I'd are. argue these days that everyone could be everyone. I know people would sort of say you know there's there's teams that are out there, there's teams that are lower down, but um, teams can beat anyone, and therefore there's going to be moments of pressure whether you know Bristol are playing Saris or Wasps are playing. Uh, anyone sort of nearer the bottom, there's going to be moments in the game, 10-minute patches where the bottom, t- the lower s- side are going to have some pressure. And it's just, I think the difference between teams who are really good and teams who are still get, trying to get to that level are the ones who score when they have their areas of pressure. Because, you know, if you go through a game and you've had 10, 15, 20 minutes of dominance and you've not taken enough points, then at some point you're going to be in trouble for that, I think. Psychologically, when you're playing, do you ever feel like a really good period of pressure where you have you know you've played well, but you've not come away with points? That is actually more, more demoralising than defending Definitely. for 10 minutes. Definitely. I think, I think sometimes your biggest, and, 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 and reverse that, sometimes your biggest moments in games are when you really feel, you know, you really feel under the pump. You've been 10 minutes in your own sort of 30 metres, trying to exit, they have another line out trying to exit again, they have another line out. And then if you can finally go sort of back-to-back penalties and move up the pitch, you yeah. sort of feel like, well, hang on, we've got this now. Now is our turn to score. And, um, but I think, yeah, there's been games this year, especially for us, where we've, we've felt that, where we've gone, we've had 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes down there in their 22, and we've not quite put enough points on the board to think, well, that, that, was, a good, that was a good period for us. I think... Um, the big game at Quinn's, we felt like that. Uh, we played, you know, the Twickenham game. Yeah, yeah. We played them on the 27th. And I think the first 15 minutes, they didn't get out of their half. And we ended up 3-0, I think, after 15 minutes. And and you look back to that game, you say, well, that, you know, if that was 9-0, you know, 12-0 at that point, then, then potentially you win the game. But it's just, I think it's really fine margins at the moment in this league. And, and if you don't take points when you're, when you're really on, on, you know, you've all winning the pressure battle, you can uh, you can be definitely be made to pay for it. Yeah, it, it, it's a fascinating one actually because even at the low level that I play at, you can almost feel it slipping away, and yeah, it yeah. goes across the team. And I think like, the really impressive thing about the pros and the really impressive thing about the best of the pros is that one guy who doesn't let it slip slip away and will make the tackle, which lifts everyone else again. Yeah, abs- absolutely, and it can it could be a case of you you feel it slipping away, but you suddenly something happens, someone makes one break, someone gets a turnover, and, and you say, well, hang on, we're, we're back in this now. You've just, you know, especially something like a turnover is invaluable because someone wins a penalty when you're, under the, when you're under the pump and you fly off, knocks it 40, 50 metres downfield. You, you feel like everything's just been lifted off you. All the pressure all of a sudden has just been lifted off you and you're able to play again then. Mm. And that's a really strange feeling on the pitch. Just changing the subject slightly. Um, in fact, completely. <laughs> Something I noticed, and I had to ask you, because, what are you? You're a six-foot-four centre-slash-fly-half, yeah? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I still like to use the term centre-slash-fly-half, but I don't think anybody in the Gloucester management would ever, would ever use that <laughs> term anymore. Well, Optus um, still classes as fly-half. Like, do they? Well, I mean, I've, I must have some friends at Opta, but... Um, I think it's loosely based centre fly off, but I'll take it. Uh, sausage legs. I mean, to me, you look quite athletic. <laughs> um, it was it, it was born out of sale days, and I, uh, I 
I was, I've never had the most, never been gifted with the most shapely legs. And, um, <laughs> it was born, born out of like say younger days at sale. Um, it was, uh, and I, I, do you know what it was? I think if looking back, I'd have probably never had that as my, I was one of these that got, I think I got Twitter quite early and didn't realize that people just had their normal names on it. So it was quite, I got it before the sort of the craze start. I'm usually very much of a follower, but I was, I seem to be quite early to it and thought, oh, this, this, will be, this will be hilarious. I think eight years on, I don't find it as, fu- <laughs> as funny, but it's one of them things now, isn't it? How do you, how do you change it? Uh, I'm, um, not, I'm not entirely sure, but I, I know what you mean. I think, um, what's his name from Northampton, the seven? Yeah, yeah, he's got a funny ha- one, Is he? it Harrison, uh, um, uh, Timon Harrison? When he's doing the corporate circuit in 20 years' time and it's Rasta Dreadlock yeah, seven. Rasta Fairing or something, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it might come back to bite him. I think he's probably going to be the same. I'm going to have to just, um, I'm just going to have to think of a hilarious story that went along with mine, I think, aren't I? Well, it's, um, and, re- and really sell it based on that. <laughs> it's not dissimilar to when you're um, meeting a client or something like that and they give you their, their email from like back in the day and it's like buckets of turd five or something. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit like Matt. I still feel like that. I've, I've been a one man email address since I was about, about 12 as well. So, um, I mean, I should probably update all this at one point, but. I don't know. I think I don't know if I could get rid of sausage legs anymore. Mm. The only thing that probably needs to change on it is the number. The idea of being ten still. That shows how old it is. I still used to class myself as a ten. Well, you and Opta, so you're you're yeah, absolutely yeah, fine yeah, there. Exactly. How, how did Definitely you got some friends there? How did you end up at Sale? Um, I was I went to St Ambrose, Altrincham. Um, uh, okay. And I was playing. Yeah, and I was playing. Um, so that was that was local to me, and I was playing club rugby. Um, and then I think. I, I, mine was pretty normal, but it was at a time when when academies weren't quite what they are now. Yeah, um, you see them now. Our academies at Gloucester's fan, that is honestly fantastic. The way that they're, they're treated, and I know a lot of people would say, "Oh, they're they're probably treated too well, really," because they want to bring back some of that sort of, you know, they're getting given too much too young. But I I disagree. I think they're, they're if they're expected to be as professional as the first team boys, then it it does. It stands them in good stead moving in because you see how many how many of them break in at 18, 19, 20. These it's not uncommon for a nineteen year old to be a constant you know a constant fixture in the in the yeah. first fifteen. And if you're going to ask someone at nineteen to be playing like that, you've you've sort of got to treat them like that from seventeen, eighteen, really. Yeah, and it's also um, like how valuable they are they are too. I mean, if you've oh, got yeah. a nineteen year old who's very very good, the last thing you want him to do is go home somewhere where he's not maybe local to you know he, you need to be on him pretty, pretty much all of the time because being a yeah. professional at anything at 19 is difficult oh yeah and 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 they're, they're already struggling with things like they've probably just a lot of them have probably just moved out of home for the first time anyway mm. so as as basic a things as we i mean we've got a good um a really good nutrition setup and basic things like just learning that i think that sort of thing took me a lot longer than it does these days for boys to learn um that's probably one reason for the sausage legs, really. But no, but that's but that's the type of thing that people learn quickly these days because they're taught about it. We weren't. We were probably just at the the, the back end of not really being given that sort of that sort of information, or just sort of expected to to get to know that information. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I love the the setup at Sale we had was fantastic. We had a really good group of players. Probably not enough, make not enough players who could have made it made it to a really high level. I and, see. Um, and I think there's probably a few that I would have always said were better players that should have made it, which is it's always the way, isn't it? A few, a few like you think 
they'll go far or was fall by the wayside by 20. And, um, um, and, and, and there's always a few real surprises as well that come through. I think one of the biggest ones for me was um, Will Addison. Yeah. You know, you know, yeah. And, and he was, he was a sort of a youngster in our academy. He was just coming through sort of a couple of years below me. And at the time I remember he was n- nothing of note. And that's, that's sort of, that's me being, I, I would never have described him as someone to sort of, you didn't see much, many special moments from even just playing in the A-League or when we were youngsters. Mm. And, and now I honestly consider him to be one of the most dangerous backs in the premiership. I think he's, I said it earlier this year, people said, oh, who's the best player you play against this year? And I think he's one of the most, wow. I don't want to say underrated because I think a lot of people probably think like me, but, um, you know, just an example of someone like him where 18, I don't know if he'd done much of the, you know, the representative stuff or the, you know, the, um, well, England, well, I can 18s tell. Or 20s, well, I can but. tell you actually because he was my fourth guest on uh, on the Rugby Dungeon. Uh, Is he? Yeah. So he had oh, a okay. he had a little spell at Pen- at Penrith, but ho- yeah. hardly anything. So he's got pretty much no uh, club rugby experience to speak of outside yeah. of Sale, and he used to travel down from Cumbria uh, for the academy, and he has played age grade because he's played age grade against Ireland. Um, right, okay. But uh, he's only ever been at Sale. Yeah, he, I mean, he was he was just one of them players that I just used to think, he, you know, he's okay. I'm sure he could could do stuff. But now I just see someone like him develop and think he is a fantastic player. And um, and I think a lot of clubs would probably have been a bit gutted when he ended up re-signing at Sale, and they'd have been very happy. Oh, com- I imagine this com- year when they completely when agree. Put, but I imagine he's the type of player that they're trying to build the club around these days, the likes of him and Mike Haley. Yeah, um, I mean, Mike Mike Haley is a I think a very special talent. But going back, yeah, going, going back to Will, I mean, I think his his key skill, or his not a skill, sorry, his core quality is his bravery. I mean, you watch him play, oh, yeah. and you think he's trying to win like a VC or something. So yeah. what, whatever physical <laughs> skills he has, just get exacerbated by just he he plays like a maniac. Just the idea that he wants to. He's not the biggest of blokes, but he just no. wants to write people off and. Um, he did it to me. He hit me blindside last year when we played them up there, and I just remember thinking that. And when when, he, when I first got hit, I was I was thinking that's got to be one of the you know one of the, the <laughs> islanders in the middle. I was thinking that's got to be, and I got, I got up having not the ball on, and I, I was like, oh, Will Addison. Yeah. Well, I remember saying to him, I was like, because I know him quite well. I was like, Will, what was that about? <laughs> I think the biggest danger he poses is probably to himself. Yeah, yeah. He wants to. Yeah, he'll be as close to hurting himself as he will to other people because he really goes for it. But I, I think he's, you know, he's, he's just one, just an example of one of those players that I didn't think at a junior level was, was all that, but it can easily get, you know, get pushed through and, and you don't want those players to get missed really. So what was the academy set up like when you were there then? Uh, we were, we were still, you know, we, we, we had good coaches and we trained, Full time ish, mm. you know, we'd be we'd be on the fringe of playing first team and you know, involved in first team training and things. And we're very much like a lot of them are now, but I think the thing that we, I remember looking back, because I've still we've still got a good group that we still speak to from Sale, and I think one of the things that we really missed out was was playing enough. Yeah. I think we didn't get the regular rugby that we needed to, and I think one thing that from going out on on loan and also being in the championship for a few years. I would have said those years for a youngster would be invaluable. I think if anyone can go out on loan, I've spoken to boys at Gloucester and the academy about it and said, you know, if, if the opportunity comes up, don't think it's a, 
a step down because you're a Premiership Academy and they're saying go and play Championship or even National One, go and play that and just and do really well at whatever level you're going to play. Um, and I think that's what, you know, if you could go back and give yourself advice yeah. back then, I think that's what I'd say. Just go and play whatever level. Try and ask to be out on loan rather than just being a, I don't think any of the youngsters get anything from being a, a stunt, you know, a, a stunt cock in training. I think it, it, it's it's necessary at times because teams need um, teams need numbers basically. Teams need to have you know when they've got injuries and things. Teams teams need to be able to run against good players, and that's often what some players get used for. But, yeah, um, completely I think agree. That's what we felt at the time that we'd be we we trained to. I know my. I mean, my five-a-side talent went through the roof on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> I was, yeah. uh, my one-touch was fantastic. And I know a lot of sale players, their football skills really improved at that age. But no, we, we, we had a great setup and a, and a great coach. And we just, and, and then, you know, if you didn't have an A-League game on the Monday night, you know, the, the 10 A-League games you play all year, we, we end up just struggling at times. You, you sometimes can't see your next game for three weeks. And that, at that age, is... Oh, it's a lifetime. You, you, yeah, you shouldn't be having, especially once you've come out of school and you've been playing two or three games a week to go to playing every few weeks was well, that was, that was a time where, I, and I didn't quite realize it at the time, but now I think it, it stunted what I was, what I was doing. Yeah. Because you were, did you go Sedgley for a little while? I did. I went on, I did a sort of a six week period on loan at the end of um, the end of one season. Um, it just essentially, I mean, I, I wouldn't like to take any credit for the relegation because <laughs> I think they were right down there. I think it was just as the, t- the, Championship or the whatever the second tier t- competition at the time changed from sixteen teams to twelve teams and said yeah. in the they were in the what bottom four that went down. So um, well, I mean, if you go I mean, to Sedge, it's such an unassuming club. It's in the middle of a housing housing estate exactly. in Bury. It's a nice yeah. place. It's a I tell you what, it's it's had a lot of names go through it. But you do wonder what were they doing in the championship? How did they get that far? <laughs> well, they they were they were. I don't know they were, you know, they were up there and they were playing against teams that yeah. they were probably fighting well above their, their weight. But um, I, I, I loved. It. I went there for six weeks and it was, you know, first experience of. Play. I played. I'd had a few sniffs around the sale first team, but nothing to ever sort of, nothing to ever be solid. And they said, you know, do you want to go to Sedgley for six weeks? And at the time, I remember thinking, I went there and sat on the bench for the first few weeks, and I must have been nineteen, and they gave me. 200 quid a game and I just remember thinking life could not get any better <laughs> <laughs> and I just I just thought I had five games there over the sort of the seven or eight weeks and it was just first few were on the bench and then I started I've started one of them I went down to Exeter and got beat 76 nil me and my housemate were talking about it recently because he went down playing for Leeds Jacob Rowan they went down and I think oh, they lost yeah. two two weeks later by about 80 points to nil so he, he actually he beat me in that department which but I think I was playing 10 against Exeter and must have hit about 12 restarts in a game. Now, and that was when Exeter was, was spending up to, up to the salary cap in the championship, exactly, wasn't it? Yeah, in the championship. And then you you sort of, that puts it all into perspective. But I mean, that was one of the first experiences of playing playing men's rugby or, or, you know, at the time, I guess that would have been, that was professional. But um, it, it was good and it was a real learning curve. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, tell me this: when you when you are in that situation and you're a, a young guy, you said then like two hundred quid to uh, sit on the bench and then come on, absolutely yeah. great. What is the standard of living like for an academy lad? Like, do you get housed? Is um, money enough to live? I think um, boys, the 
a lot of them these days do, and I think they they seem to. I know all the money seems to be going up, and mm. um, but we we were quite fortunate. I lived I lived lo- quite locally to Sale anyway, so I lived at home. But there's there's no way there's unless you get some help from home, there's no way you can really live as a as an academy player. Some get housing, you know, I'm, I'm, and it's different contracts for different people. But I, me, a lot of the boys that I started with as well start you start out on five grand. Uh, and that's sort of a general starting wage for the academy players. And I don't think anybody would feel bad for me saying it. I, I think I, I don't, don't know. I think it's a lot. I think it's a lot of commitment for five grand if you're in a well, professional yeah, I setup. Don't, I don't think it. I'm not sure it is that really anymore. I think a lot of players don't sign those sort of contracts. But I know our era was one of the last ones to sign sort of five. I know two of the boys who played England 18s a, a bit earlier than us had, had signed for sort of seven first year and nine second year and we just thought that was the most amazing thing ever (laughs) (laughs) Um, and they give you good incentive that's the one thing that they do they do give you really good incentives at the time um and you 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 sort of occasionally getting a good match bonus if you manage to sit on the bench or for the first team or things like that but no i do it, it you don't really realize until you look back now and think well if i didn't get some help from home and i wasn't eating at home and i wasn't living there there was it's impossible. And did they combine it with university stuff like that? They, they, you know, that we weren't really pushed to do it. I think a lot of the youngsters are, are pushed into doing something these days and encouraged to do something outside, yeah, outside of the club. We were, you know, we were probably told you can do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I tried to do what um, a degree of, uh, hist- uh, I tried to do history at Manchester, and I, I ended up dropping out after about six months and. It was just probably too much at the time. Yeah. Um, my, and mind you, Jamie Roberts became a fully fledged doctor. I mean, yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> He's, I think some people can do it. A lot of I've done the. Uh, they, there's now a, a degree that a lot of players have done a Northumbria degree, um, and that is sort of geared around. It was you know it was tailored for us really. It's um, you know just the time frame and the the, the amount of work and everything like that's mm-hmm. really they they do it really well now. So that. That's useful that they've done it, but no, when we were younger, it wasn't wasn't necessarily encouraged. It was sort of said, you know, if you can get away with doing it and training, however, we expect you to be here, there, and everywhere for training anyway, so um, sort of fit in around it, if you will. So you went from Sale, you go to Wasps. You were saying that you were you know, very happy at Sedge, uh, you're getting paid. Was there a bit of you which um, was very disappointed when you go from, say, Wasps, and then you go to Isha? Yeah, oh yeah, I think it was it was a time that uh, now, like I said before, when I look back, yeah. I think they've all all the the moves over the following few years have all helped me massively. And I think, but if I was to look back, I'd definitely try and do it differently. That's for sure. I think um, the wasp. I went to, I went to wasp, which was supposed to be that was supposed. Even when I look at it now, that was supposed to be a really good move for me. Um, I went there still as like a youngish 10. I'd just played England 20s a little bit. Mm. Um, went there trying to be a 10. And, and at the time, they only had, out of 10, sort of 12-ish, and they only had, they had Dave Alder was playing 10, uh, like great player, but yeah. he didn't really have any backup. And um, Yeah, who was Ricky the other one? Flutes, like Stanton, Ricky, maybe? Ricky Flute. No, no, he wasn't there. Uh, there wasn't, they, said to, they said Ricky Flute, he was sort of covered to play 10, and he didn't want to play 10. Oh. Um, and, and there wasn't really many other people. And, and just one of those things that happens, that like Dave ended up 
playing one of his best seasons as as he was getting older and um, sort of fit all year. And and unfortunately, I got an elbow injury in pre-season, which kept me out for about four months, and mm. then came back straight back into a hammy hamstring injury. And and before I knew it, I was battling for the last sort of two months of the season to try and get any sort of game time. And that's any you know anywhere. I went. They sent me on loan to. Roslyn Park for a few weeks. So I went there for sort of six weeks to try and get back match fit. Mm. And uh, I ended up playing a few at one at you know, the back end of the season. But I don't know if you remember the time with Wasps. It was yeah. you know, uh, Tony Hanks and Sean Edwards were both on their way out. And if I was a, a coach at that time uh, coming in, I would have probably done exactly the same. I probably said, well, I don't know who he is. He's, he's been here for a year, not seen him play. not um, and, and the club was in... Wasn't in a great state, I think it's safe to say. Like Wasp was in a, a little bit of a free fall state, and um, and obviously you know they've turned it around. They've gone on some amazing things now. But um, I was sort of just just as a youngster, a little bit cast aside, and so that you you go off to, you know, you go off to Isha. Isha's a, a, a club will be looking at you, and and probably a sl- a slightly gullible youngster. Okay, right. They, you've said to me you're going to keep looking at me, whereas now I would say. I would completely understand that what that meant was, you know, <laughs> you go off there. If if we were to ever want you, we'd we'd get back in touch, but we won't really look <laughs> yeah. at you. Um, and it, which was a shame, but at the same time, it gave me a whole year of playing at Isha, playing as much rugby as I could. I think I probably got about 25, 30 games in that year, and that that is what I needed at that age. I played ten for most of the year, and then I played a little bit of 12 towards the back end of it and and I and I really really needed that I'd not really played for the last year and a half two years and I think it it helped me I think it really helped me did you have anyone fighting your corner for instance an agent saying look they are putting you at um Atisha but I'm gonna send you videos off to Saracens or yeah. Harlequins or maybe you do need this for a year do, or whatever do you know what I think if I if I was to when I say about giving myself advice back then, that is one thing I would never have dropped out out of the Premiership mix if I could have. I, I didn't really. I, I just sort of felt like I was getting okay. Well, we'll we'll keep watching you. So I sort of felt like at the time, oh, don't worry, I'm still in there. Their ideas. When in, on reflection, I, I wasn't. I was just sent up there just as a, a kind gesture. Like we'll speak to one of our feeder clubs, and you go there for a, a you know, basically just sign there and, and nothing to do with us. Flat. I partly signed there thinking I was going to be still part of Wasps, really. Yeah. And um, and it didn't really prove to be that way. But and that is one thing you you're right. If I I didn't not getting bad representation at the time because that's I'm not not with the same agent now. But I wasn't in any way getting bad representation. I just wasn't. I don't think I was clued up enough into it all. I yeah. think um, it's like naivety. I just sort of accepted. Okay, well, this is fine. I'll. I'll I'll go here because that's what I'm getting sort of I'm getting pushed towards. Um, and I think when you when you're not when you're not nobody's been through that situation really that you're that that close to you sort of you should you do want someone to just say to you at the time, oh by the way I think this is a terrible idea. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is an awful idea. Well, and you should try and do X, Y, and Z and give me. But um, but no, no, I think I think it's just one of those things that I, I look back now and think it's sort of helped me because it's made me. It's made me battle in that league, and battling at the bottom of that league is a, a horrible place to be. Um, but but twenty one being sort of twenty twenty one given control of a, a championship team said you run this team 
that was a good thing for me, definitely. I bet. See, yeah, I think it's really impressive, actually, that as a young man, I bet a lot of your identity is tied up in I am a, I am a pre- Premiership rugby player. So going down... Oh, I think a lot of them do, yeah. yeah. And so going down and then maybe having that reality hit, but then to come back up again is really, really impressive. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, think, I think it's one of those things that people who are in the Premiership, so I still get a lot of, you know, we still make a lot of jokes about the idea of being you know, Tiger Woods and, you know, you know you've been around a few clubs at a young age. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and the idea, as soon as anybody mentions about knowing people and they go, oh, I bet, I bet Aki knows him. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I've, I've, been, I've been a few places, but I think people, people don't understand that. You, you tend to move, you rarely tend to move, I think, in rugby um, too many times for, ha- like, in, if you're in a good situation. So you, the people who sort of tend to, to not understand it are the people who've, who've gone really well and, and, and it's amazing if they can do that and stay at one club and be happy, play first team, get good contracts. But the reality of, say, the championship is that most people sign one-year deals and and they tend to sign a one-year deal in the hope that if you play well, you might either move up or you might move to a oh, championship right? club. For yeah, a lot of them. You know, I, I know a lot more are trying to sign two-year deals now, but it, it, it tends to be the case that a lot sign a one-year deal in the hope that, especially the younger ones, that they they may or may not move forward, better championship yeah. club, or if not, uh, you know, and um, and that's the reality of it. That that it's not it's not an unheard-of thing for someone in the championship to do. A few different teams in a few different years, really. Um, I've never, I I've never thought of that. A number of, sorry, say it again. I've never, I've never thought of it from that angle. Yeah, I guess you're absolutely right, aren't you? So, you know, if you are a young lad and you want to make big time, signing a three-year deal at I don't know Oral back in the day probably wasn't your exactly, best option. Yeah. Ah. You, you you think of someone playing sort of mid-table pre- championship at you know even twenty-two, twenty-three, especially if they're English. They're thinking if I'm at Ealing, say who, are, who they're doing really well. I think they're so you know they're a top four side now. But yeah. If they're a, if you sign a one year deal at Ealing, which if you're a 23 year old lad and, and you've wanted to play Championship, that is that is great. But you have, to have everyone has to have their own sort of their own set their own sta- sights and standards. But if you're a if you're going to sign a three year deal there, then then there's the difference between someone who signed a one year deal thinking I'm going to play for this team and if I play well. I don't want to be in a position where I've got another year at Ealing when, say, Bristol offering me a contract. Um, 
And then in the same, yeah. same, I know it's always a risky thing to do to sign a one-year deal. You never know what's going to happen with injury. But I think at a certain age, you can you can take that risk. And I think that's what I did. I just sort of thought, I'm not here to sign two, three-year deals at, at these at these clubs because my aim was always to get back to playing where I, where I thought I wanted to. Yeah, and I guess going back to the representation part, you know, if you don't have an agent at the time or, you know, maybe your agent's not that experienced or whatever it may be, or maybe, you know, the actual contract market isn't that advanced to say, yeah, we'll do a two-year deal, but we want to, want to release clause for the Premiership. Exactly. Well, they're sort of getting there with that. But I think one of the main things, you know, you said, like, a lot of players get um, caught up that they are, oh, I'm at, I'm at a Premiership Academy, and therefore, but actually you realise quickly that it means nothing. Until you start to play and play first team, it means oh, yeah. very little. The, the England days, the England 18s and 20s days, they soon leave you. And you, you've got sort of, just after you've played 20s, it probably works for that following year. But after that, then there's, there's a new crop that come through and you're sort of, you know, you sort of has been. And, and it's sad to say that at 22, you probably can't use the idea of playing for England 20s anymore as a, as a positive. I completely um, agree. But, but it, it's, it's one of those things that if you, if you're, drop from a premiership when you're when you're quite young it is a tough thing to try and get back into because you think there's another wave of youngsters coming through that have got the chance that you've just missed out on so yeah well um, i mean i can't think of anything stranger than being a professional than being a professional sportsman uh, and i guess the higher you go the weirder it gets having all the adulation and maybe one or two years removed you can you know you're not completely forgotten because you're not but it just isn't the same Oh, absolutely, and I think, and I think uh, people people sort of tend to get a little bit wrapped up in it all, and it is it's an incredible thing. But you have to remember that that it's it wasn't there; it's not going to be there eventually. So, yeah, there's a there's a there's a case for enjoying it definitely whilst you can, mm. um, but at the same time, you've you've you have got to make sure it stays there, and that's one of the hardest balances. I think you know you see some players with a, a great balance for it. Um, and others that, that sort of get a little bit too caught up in it all. So, mm. so how did the Gloucester move come about then? Um, so I, well, I went to Bedford after um, Isha, and I think that's now, that's where I re- really, really enjoyed my time. I mean, I've, I've, I know I've said I enjoyed my time everywhere, and I, and I have, mm. and that's the weird thing about it. I have actually feel like I've taken different things from each place I've been to. And I went to, it was Mike Rayo. Mike Rayo said he... he He'd watched me. I'd played against them, obviously, the previous season a few times, and um, he said he wanted me to come there, but come there solely to play twelve, really. Mm. Um, and that's probably one of the best things that I that I did. Um, when did it occur to you you were going to be a twelve rather than a ten? What was your turning point? There's been a few coaches down the years that have tr- sort of hinted at it to me, but. It's hard saying it to a young ten who's still getting told he's he's a good ten is is hard to move away from because obviously it's, it is the position that a lot of people. But I know King. I remember Kingsley Jones saying it to me when I was younger at Sale. He he always said you know, and then and then also Mark Mapletoff was my coach at twenties. Yeah, and he was one that always said to me you know like the skill. The the weird thing is I think the skills that as maybe as a ten you you don't quite have the top level skills for all of a sudden you move five yards further out on the park and they become your best attributes as a 12. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, the idea of being a good talker or, a you know, a, say a, a, 
a, a sort of an average kicker as a 10, all of a sudden you move out to 12 and all of a sudden you're, you're a good option as a kicker, which is a crazy thing to think. But five yards further out, they become some of your best and, skills. Um, and how much more time do you think you have at 12? Oh, I think you get, you get a different, um, different amount of time. I think you get, because of the different nature of the job, I think it, um, you just sort of have to accept that you're not going to be able to just play that, that role especially in the premiership, I think there's, there's an element of players of 12. It's great to be able to be a ball player, but you've got to do the sort of the hard yards as well. Mm. Um, and I think I probably learned that a bit later when I moved to Gloucester, because at Bedford, we played a really nice expansive brand of rugby. And we were, especially my first year, we, we came second to Newcastle and you can sort of get away with not having to do as much of the hard yards. Um, yeah. Because, because we were winning a lot, you know, winning 30, 40 points a lot of the time. Well, was, was that a, the year really that, that you went to the playoffs? Yeah, we, we lost to Newcastle in the final. There's some great players we've gone w- on was now. was Short which, on the wing. And, uh, Have I got that right? James Short uh, on the wing? James Short played, yeah, he played for us quite a lot. He was obviously alone from Saris. I remember had, uh, that game, Josh actually. Bassett. Josh Bassett was on one wing. What, uh, was he? Yeah, Josh Bassett's obviously doing really well at Washington. Yeah. So he was playing on, he was a Bedford boy that came through. Um, I don't know if you know, uh, Ali Price, who's a scrum half. Not familiar um, with playing, him actually. He's playing at he's playing at Glasgow. He's on the bench for Scotland. Ah, right, okay, yeah. Um, and and crazy crazy is he was actually third choice at the time at Bedford, um, oh. which just shows how people can develop a you know a little bit later times. Mm. Um, but yeah, we had we had a really good side. A lot of players sort of kicked on to play a little bit higher level, or a lot of them just just a good blend of players really. And um, and I actually spoke to Gloucester. It was I spoke to them midway through. Um, the season in my second year um, and I, I actually don't know of the, the legalities that I'm saying to you at the moment <laughs> but um, I know we spoke and um, oh, to put it lightly it was it was it was turned down between the two clubs and I, I probably won't get there was just it wasn't the right time for for me to move away from Bedford and and Gloucester I actually think it was a better thing because Gloucester were in their own transition time and mm. it was um I think it was the best time to arrive. When I when I arrived, it was a you know an overhaul of about twenty six players and staff. I think it was at the time. So I'd felt like I joined a very fresh group. Um, yeah, like it was like a fresh start for the club, and I think that was a good time to join. Was that one of the first years with David Humphreys then? When you yeah, arrived? it was David. Yeah, D- uh, David and Laurie joined that year as well. So right, um, that was all fresh, and I, <laughs> I think it was quite daunting in the sense that you. You know, you're joining a club with where you, you know, you think you've been going all right in your own sort of development, but then and at the same time, James Hook's just come in, Hibbs has come in, Greg Laidlaw's coming in, and these new coaches, and you're going, oh, hang on. So you sit down yeah. for your first one-on-one with the coaches, sit down for your first one-on-one, and you can just sort of tell, you know, he, neither of them have ever heard of you. No, <laughs> they don't want to sign you, but you, you're there anyway for the next couple. Years. So and, um, who who did you have the original and, communication with? Nigel Davis. Yeah, yeah, with Nigel and um, and Mike and Mike Tyndall was sort of he was covering as the backs coach at the time. Was so, he? Um, yeah, so he was sort of involved in the backs coaching, and Nigel was the director of rugby. But uh, I think there's one. It's 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 a fairly common procedure. You know, club you get signed by a club. You you know you're going there with a coach that obviously wants you, mm. but um, you get signed by a club and you're there to be, to represent that club, aren't you? And yeah. you know, if the coach takes you on board, then that's a, that's a, be- a benefit. But I think 
I was, I, I'd say I was really fortunate in the sense that I got off to a good start with both coaches and and it doesn't always happen. I've seen players, especially who arrived that year, who weren't necessarily signed by those coaches and it, and it didn't work out for them. Talented yeah. players, but it just, you know, whether whether it was the coaches didn't see it or they, they had a, a rough time for the first few weeks and, and it didn't work out for quite a few players. But um, no, I would, I would have, I said I felt quite fortunate that it managed to, to start off okay and therefore set me in a good path with them. Do you think that because this was your second uh, shot at Premiership Rugby, you, you approached it differently? I think so, yeah. I think I was, I was probably, I don't know whether the word's desperate, but I think I was probably getting towards that where I was thinking, I'm not going to get another go here. Because, you know, you, you never give up the hope, but you think once you get to, I think I was 24 when I signed back, and you're thinking, teams don't want to start signing anyone older than that because... Because you, you you think at that age they they're sort of getting out of the bracket of being able to be cheap players and therefore clubs are making sort of more of an investment into a player at that age. Yeah. And um and I think you you've got to have shown a club if you're going to move back at that age you've got to have shown a club enough for them to make a real investment into you and and that is a hard thing that's a hard thing these days I reckon because because there's the market is so big for them to pick from. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I guess I, I was. I was felt I cost myself as fortunate that I got in at that time because you know, you, even though they've been lumped with me now and we seem to be going all right together and getting on, I don't know if they'd have if I'd have been a, a signing for them both. I've got I've got some theories. I've got lots of theories actually, and most of them are nonsense. So if this is nonsense, <laughs> I, w- I want you to tell me immediately it is nonsense. I'll tell you immediately. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, inside centre role. Now, yeah. when, when I think of the in, of an inside centre. Like a traditional inside centre, I think of someone like Kevin Mags. You know, runs very, very, very yeah, hard, yeah, yeah. makes yards the hard way, so on and so forth. Now we spoke at the start of the interview about how good defensive teams are. So, do you think that the inside centre position is moving away from that? Just because those sort of individuals are so hard to find, and actually, it's probably um, a better option now to find guys with skills like yourself that can actually do stuff there which isn't the hard yards if that makes sense yeah I think I know what you mean and I, and I do you know I, as somebody more you know slightly more more of a ball player I, I'd, I'd always I'd always I'd always push to have a, a second ball player in the team mm. but I think one thing that's definitely some of the better teams have shown this as well that I think you don't need to necessarily have the players in those positions anymore I think it was always well you're you're a big lad who's quite fast therefore you'll play at 12 and then uh, you're a small lad who's really fast you'll play on the wing and a th- you know a 13 he should have an outside break yeah and, like, and a 15 he should be a second goal kicking option those, those are the sort of stereotypes that I think you move away from when you you sort of say so long as you've got in your back line you've got some options to be able to crash it up on a when you need to win the game line and some options with someone who's got I think a balance is really important and therefore like, you know, between your centers, if you've got one who can sort of little bit more of a crash bang wallop and, and will carry through a brick wall for you, but then you've also got someone with a little bit of a slighter hand and, or, or a balance of the two between the two. I think that is where teams are going more so these days yeah. rather than having out and out. You're my 12, you have to run straight and hard and you're my 13. You're probably a bit quicker. Um, I definitely think teams have slightly moved away from that. And, and you can see the way teams 
do their shape to start with, you know, the, the moves people run these days. But the, the most important thing is, is using players with certain skill sets in that role. Mm. Um, you know, you, you, if you've got the two of the quickest wingers in the league, like we probably have, you don't want to use them just to run over the top of people. But um, at the same time, we're, we're fortunate that, say, some of our other wingers, who, if they're playing that week, you can change the game. You know, if you've got a um, couple of big, strong boys on you, you know, Henry Purdy, David Halafanu are two of, yeah. two of our wingers that you, you think they can carry the ball happily. Um, and, um, and so I think it's just about playing to your strengths, whoever's playing in those, in those roles in different weeks. Tell me about your season then, because you've started very strong. I assume it's the injury that's made you sit out so far. Yeah, it has. I did my hamstring just before Christmas in France, um, which has been unfortunate. It's probably been, I think it's been five or six weeks now. Hmm. And I've probably got another, at least another month to go. Oh, maybe really? a bit longer. Yeah, so it was, it was quite a bad one. It came, yeah, it came off, came off the bone. So, did it? Uh, but I've been fortunate that at the moment it's, it's all going well with the rehab. So Have you had to have an uh, operation? No, I, I've not had to have, I managed to avoid it, which has been brilliant. Um, we've done some other things and, and it seems to be going sort of fingers crossed. It seems to be moving forward nicely. So um, I'll, I'll have to see. It's, it's always hard with a with a big injury like that to start to put a time frame on it. And I know as a player, you start to really push. That's one of the biggest things I've had to stop doing. It's sort of going, okay, well, when what game do you think? What game do you think? Um, but I think we we are, you know, it's, it's moving nicely, and 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 that's the only thing I can keep doing really tell me about the center mixes or the midfield mixes mix in Gloucester what different people bring and how they use the different personnel um so we've got I think there's well, there's five of us at the at the moment I think it is I'm hoping I'm not doing anyone disservice there I think there's <laughs> just there's five of us um yeah. myself and Billy um and then there's Matt Scott Henry Trinder and Andy Simmons. So I think we we what we are fortunate with there is there's there's a complete contrast amongst the, everyone. Yeah. Um, and you've got sort of um, you know, Scotty and Simo have, have they hit a really good hard line, but then they've also got they've got a good subtlety to you know throwing offloads and things. And and Scotty's got this annoying habit of popping up. Well, annoying habit for other teams of popping up and scoring tries yes. whenever he wants to. Now tell me about uh, Matt Scott. <laughs> When I watch him, he looks really fast. Or has he just got superb timing? <laughs> he's got one of those abilities that I think people could say, you know, oh, he's he's got, you know, he's not done loads for that try. He's picked up an inside ball. He's picked, but it's the same as Chris Ashton, and 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 it's one of the, it is a skill in itself yeah. being able to score tries. And Scott, he's he's had a great first season. Um, I think he's got about twelve tries already. But he's um, oh, been brilliant. Yeah, and he's and he's gone really well. And that's that's. One of the good things about having sort of five different players in the centre is they they get the choice to pick a combination that can and also a lot of players who can play inside and outside, so therefore you're not limited to playing you know two players necessarily together if you don't think it's the right combination. Yeah, I, I think what Gloucester have, which uh, they probably have this more than any other team, are players that can go from twelve twelve to ten. Uh, James Hook being Definitely, one, yeah, yeah. Um, twelve trees been another. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, it, it's a it's a positive, and people probably say it's a bit of a um, it can it can be perceived to be you know a negative because the team jumps around a bit. But I think that's only the outside perception that because the team jumps around. I think with it internally, 
everyone knows that players can play in different positions. And therefore, like I said before, once, once you're on the pitch, you find yourself in all sorts of positions anyway. Mm. So I think it's, it's only one of those things that really, really gets questioned by people outside the, the sort of the direct, di- direct bubble of Gloucester. I think there was one where um, we, <laughs> we played Exeter away um, this, this year and I, and I played, well, perceived to line up at 10. Um, mm. And it was only because, it was only because Bill 12 was playing, um, he was playing 10 and I was playing 12. But I just wanted, I just wanted a premiership shirt with 10 on the back. In <laughs> so, but because we decided to swap and the kit man let us wear the other way around, you know, BT and all, and all the rest of them were saying, you know, Atkinson's playing 10 this week. Uh, <laughs> all it was is I just want to have, when I finished Did anyone playing, ask you from BT, cup. like, did anyone do any research and say, uh, oh, are you playing 10, the, 10 this week? What's, well, uh, well, what's the, crack here? The funny, and then people sort of saying the following week, you know, oh, well, you know, Bill 12's back at 10. We played Saints the following week away and they said, well, Bill 12's back at 10 this week and Atkinson's back at 12 after mixing it. And it wasn't. All I wanted was to be able to put a frame shirt up when I finished playing and, and prove to someone that I, <laughs> I wore a 10 shirt in a premiership match. <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, I wouldn't mind the same shirt, actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those ones that people want, isn't it? A 10 shirt, so... I don't know. I uh, mean, after our conversation about 12s, I think 12s is slightly cooler, to, to, to be fair. Because you've yeah, got to well, be I mean, bigger, stronger, potentially faster, and have all the skills now. Well, I don't, I, <laughs> I don't know about that, but I think being able to just pretend you're wearing 10 and actually not play there with any of the pressure, that's one of the nicest things. So, um, but I do, yeah, <laughs> I did see it because obviously the way it was announced, still that I was playing 10 and that, that was that was definitely not part of our plan for that week. Uh, now, now, if I was a listener and I've only recently got into, say, Premiership Rugby, there's a guy on your team mm. who I think is very, very talented, but not really been seen see much of over the last couple of years and that is uh henry trinder what can you tell me about him yeah he's he's one of them that like you said he is he is immensely talented and it's just it, it, you see it happen with players and it, it, it's just unfortunate at times that players go through really bad bad stages with injury and and henry's one of them and that seems to have had you know you know back-to-back injuries and all of a sudden a season and a half wiped out and a season after a hell of a long time when you're when you're playing rugby and you've not got that long to play. Yeah. Um, I think I think everybody the thing with Trini is everybody knows how good he is and there's no there's no debate. So it's just it's just a case of and for and you know, it's great to see back fit last weekend he played a full eighty. Um you know, fingers crossed he plays again this week and it's it's good. I think uh, as and he'd he'd probably be the first to say he just needs to get through now a a, a good time and it and it and it's good, good to see him back. And he's the thing; he doesn't ever, he doesn't ever get too down about it. Mm. And, but it, it's a tough one, isn't it? You know, you, you're out for a best part of a couple of years, and and you're seeing some of your best years disappear. But just hope that someone like him deserves look, you know, injury-free few years, say at the back end of his career to make up for it. But yeah, um, he is, like you said, he is a talent and someone who can do. You know, there's probably not enough of these any uh, at the moment, but someone who can really do something from nothing as well. So, oh, I completely agree. And, and and luckily for Gloucester, I mean, when I think of Gloucester, I think of a lot of talented players in their past who have been very good, just really bad luck with injuries. Whether it be James Forrester, yeah. um, who was exactly. the who was the fullback um, until fairly recently, who was very uh, Ollie Morgan. Ollie Morgan, Ollie Morgan, fantastic. And I think 
even someone like Simbad, who didn't, yeah. who obviously everybody knew about, and but didn't quite get the recognition at international level that he probably deserved. I couldn't believe when he retired. I think it was 14 caps or something. Yeah, and just think, unlucky with coaching teams, players, I think. And, yeah, and you think there's players with 50 caps that you can't, you know, that that Simbad was far better than. But um, well, if he was yeah, Welsh, one of those things. If he was Welsh, he'd be oh. a national treasure. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, but he's. Um, he was very unfortunate, wasn't he, with, with coaches and, and probably injuries again. Mm. So, What is the feeling in Gloucester like at the moment? Because there is talk about um, ownership changes. I won't ask you to comment on that because that wouldn't be fair. But I will ask you to comment on, on this. A few signings have been made recently. I personally, as a, as a fan of the game, think they're very exciting. What's the feeling in the squad? And is there anyone of interest that really, excite, really excites you that's going to come on board? I think... Um... I think it's it's a to answer the first one. It's very it is very positive. I think we have to just remember that we we've I think we're sat in seventh or eighth or in and you know that mid table battle where um, everybody's sort of within one win of being in fifth or two losses of being in ninth and that's yeah. that's something that it definitely drives you every Premiership game to to kick on and I think. I think um, we're, we're, we feel in a good spot at the moment and, and we feel positive about what we want to do. And I think we've had our, you know, I'm, I'm saying this hope, fingers crossed, we feel like we've been through our bad patch and we've come out of it for the better. And, um, but then in, what, what you say about signings, I think one of the biggest things for the club is that we've been able to sign players that we know for a fact other teams and potentially, you know, higher up teams in the league have been interested in. You know, likes of... One that really, really excites me is to add into our, our back row at the moment, which is already full of full of sort of internationals and people who are playing really well, is is like is Carl Ferns. I played with Fernsey quite a quite a bit at sale. Yeah. And um and someone like him that people will probably look at and think, why has he gone to France at such a young age when he was probably not far off the England setup? Um and I and I would not be surprised to see him back in England and back in England reckoning pretty quick. I, I, really, I highly, oh, highly I, rate him. I completely uh, agree. I, I think he has got... I think he'll play eight for Gloucester. I wouldn't be surprised to see him competing for uh, seven for England. Just looking at the sevens that they've, they've already picked, he seems to fit perfectly in that. He does. He does. And I think if you've... What our, what our back row has been great balance for at the moment is you know, you've got some good ball, really, really exciting ball carries. You know, ben Morgan yeah. um, has has been fantastic this year for us. Um, and, you know, Ross Moriarty, I think everyone's talking about a potential Lions candidate. And then probably the find of the season, especially internally in Gloucester, I think is probably is Jacob Rowan, I think. And, and he's just allowed Ross and Ben Morgan to both sort of carry the ball freely and do what they, they're good at. Yeah. And then, and then to add into that, can, you know, you can imagine we've, we've not had Sirianni Calamaphone all year. He's only just come back from injury. Um, another player who's, who's been, massive in the last few years for Gloucester. But then you add into a back row that of, with those people, and then at 60 minutes or 50 minutes as an opposition, you add Carl Ferns coming off the bench, or Ferns started, and, and Ben Morgan's coming off the bench. All of a sudden, that's a, it's, that's it's a monstrous, isn't it? of a team. And I, and I think that's one thing that is huge these days, is team strength to play. Laurie always talks about it, you know, the 23 have got a huge job. And it's, and it's also more and more these days where you've, You've got some some you know internationals on top of internationals in teams, and internationals are on benches in the Premiership, but they're making huge 
huge differences when they come on for, for 25, half an hour, and they can still change a game. Um, and I think that's where Gloucester are getting to with the signings that we're, we're now able to feel the squad. I think if, if you had a look through our LV team that played last week, there's names in that team that you think, well, they, they shouldn't be playing LV. Or well, James Hook would be around. one. Well, exactly. Hooky playing 10 for the LV side. And you're thinking, I said to him, I was like, James, if you play well, you've got a chance of being the LV breakthrough player. Is, <laughs> you know, for a man with 85 caps, is going to be a big thing for him. Um, but no, just, just all jokes aside, I think we, we're just getting to a strength in depth sort of time, which is, which is great to be able to compete on all fronts, really. And that's what we want to do. Yeah. Um, well, I think I think massive a massive one a massive one definitely is for people to be able to attract to be a club that can still attract you know the likes of Carl, like the likes of Carl and then you know Owen Williams coming in and um, you know Ruskin who's come from Worcester who I like that signing you know, a lot five or six teams in the Premiership we're in for so for us to be able to get him and these players shows that what other people think of Gloucester still and you know even though. It might not have been the most successful few years. We we do feel like the club's definitely in the right, you know, going in the right direction. I think you nailed it with, with two forward uh, signings. Uh, like this isn't to say I don't think Owen Williams is a good player. I think he's a cracking player. But the two oh, lad, yeah. two lads in the forwards. I think the Ruskin signing was really smart. You know, a young good prop. It's so hard to find. Have you watched Coffins much in the top fourteen? I've seen him been killing people and carrying the ball for fun. Terrifying. He's, um, Terrifying. He's been. He's. I mean, he looks. I know he looks 42, but he's actually only 27 to 28 still, isn't he? He's only a year above me. Yeah. And um, But the, the thing with Fernsey is he's looked the age of 42 since he was 16. So um, Yeah, found a picture of him in sale not so long ago. Well, yeah. well, no, no, a long time ago, actually. And he basically just looks like Carl Ferns with no hair. Yeah, well, when you lose, yeah, when you lose your hair at 14, that's and you, you're already 22 stone and carrying ball through men when he was... 17 then he's 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 always gonna be on the right path but i think he's just one of them that i don't really he's probably somehow managed to avoid an england cap that's the only thing i can think that i think that he has got one you know i think he's got one in south africa are you sure he's been i don't think he'd be oh capped, maybe but, um, he was at saxons i think he has been south africa and i think he got I know a cap he was there. in and around and he was he was played in a few barbarians games and a few i think he had a few uncapped he might he may well have been capped but someone who you think Played so well for Bath for years, and and you know, think whatever happened with him moving to France, I think it's it's not done badly for him because he's had a few good years out there. Oh, and also uh, like the myth has grown too. Oh yeah, he was a very good uh, Premiership player at Leon. If you go to Leon, you'll be guaranteed to be run over by Carl Ferns. I mean, that is just exactly. you, know, you, you, you basically sign up for that. And he seems to have really stamped his authority on that league. And to do that, and you think, like I said, you 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 have sort of him starting all. Or Ben Morgan starting, or Ross Moriarty. There's three huge balls, and and to add into the mix there, we've we've got a lot of other boys who be putting their hands up to play. I think one, I, I one tell you amazing who I like. youngster. I think you've seen Lewis, you know Lewis Ludlow play. Someone like him who just he seems to enjoy scything people down. He's like a young Joe Worsley, just enjoys running around the pitch, just tackling anything that moves. I can't say I've actually seen him play much. I, I do know the name though. Yeah, yeah. Just one to just just another that I think. We're sort of trying to build this defensive culture on a on a work rate thing, and, and someone like Ludz or Jacob, these these boys who might not as be as household names as the other boys, hmm. but the ones that are sort of holding the team together in our best performances at the moment. So. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the signing of Jacob Roman is very smart 
because I think I'm right in saying yeah. that he was uh, captain up in Leeds. I think anyone with captain's yeah, experience was, yeah. is a very valuable member of, of any squad, actually. Yeah, he wouldn't surprise me if he was. He turned into a future captain at Gloucester because he's, he's you know, sort of coming to his own this year, especially. I think this has been his 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 year where he's really taking it on, and and he you know, he speaks well. He's intelligent. I wouldn't I wouldn't tell him any of these things, <laughs> <laughs> but he. Um, you know, he's he's got the respect of everyone at the club, probably apart from me. So, um, <laughs> well, I like to hold I like to hold my back hold back my respect for Jacob yeah. because um, we spend a lot of time together. So I wouldn't like to tell him that I had any sort of respect for him. Yeah, you need to keep him tame. Yeah, I like I, you know, while he's I don't want it all to go. Well, he's been playing very well this year. I don't want any of it to go to his head. Well, I mean, the other guy you're getting back as well, who I really like as a runner of the ball, is uh, I'm going to get his, his surname wrong, wrong now. Uh, is it Gareth Evans or Gareth Edwards? Gareth Evans, yeah. Uh, Gareth yeah, Evans. You know, I like that guy awful, a lot. Like, another one who's an awfully dynamic carrier. When he, you know, if you you get you get guys carrying the ball in the wide channels, especially he is he he's worryingly quick as well. For yeah, a, he is. For a, for a back like myself, who's sort of not gifted with pace, that's how, that's how I'd like to put it in that category. You know, not I wouldn't put put myself in the category of a, a sprinter, but Gaz is worryingly quick. So. Another one who you, you know you, you add him into a back row ball carrying and and there's, there's some great options there. There's some headaches there for the coaches, certainly. Completely. I've just got two more two more questions for you, and then I shall let you get off. Firstly, I'll ask. Uh, no, I'll, I'll do it this way around. I'll, I'll do it the other way around. I'll go with what was the reaction like at the club when Johnny May's scrimmaging was shown in in, in the analyst room? <laughs> oh, Johnny. I mean, John. I don't know if you've seen much of Johnny, but he is—he's uh, a unique character, and um, and I say that in a sort of a loving way. We spend a lot of time together. <laughs> my my girlfriend's going to be one of his girlfriend's bride, one of her bridesmaids in the yeah. summer, and we we do spend a lot of time together. But he is a character. I mean, the scrummaging thing—I I, I can't ima- I can't. It's amazing. Fathom how many people have seen that on YouTube, but. At one point in his life, he must have watched a scrum properly and thought, I've never seen anybody put the leg, head inside. It was, do you know what was great? Mako's response as well, you know, just pushing him, <laughs> pushing him down his calf and looking at him to say, what are you doing? Um, well, the, the amazing thing about that is Mako still scrimmaged. I mean, imagine how... Oh, Mako still, Mako still won ball for you there, didn't he? Uh, Incredible. He just, Johnny said when he walked into the team room the following morning at England, it was just... He just said it was just uproar. Uh, yeah, well, I've, I've got. Um, uh, I mean, only only Johnny could have done that at international level. It's just it's it's, it's just only he could get away with that. Well, not only that. I mean, I uh, hopefully I have got. Um, oh, please remember his name. Can't remember his name. Uh, Neil Hatley. Hopefully coming on soon. And it is yeah, a shame that the conversation will be dominated by Johnny May. <laughs> exactly. There'll be nothing to do with, you know, tight heads up and loose heads boring, and it'll be mostly Johnny putting his head mm. in between Mako's legs. Exactly. Um, Oh, it was, fun. it was just one of those moments that you couldn't replicate. It's just brilliant. And my last question, and it's going to go back to Carl Ferns again, is did you try, oh, yeah. did you try and sink a boat that he was on? <laughs> it was a golfing trip. It was a, yeah. We, uh, I mean, I mean, he probably tells it a lot better. Uh, I just the golf. If it, if it, if I can remember rightly, we none of us can remember much of the trip and not a lot of golf was played, <laughs> but. Um, I know there was some <laughs> there were some worrying points on it, and I think some jokes that went a bit too far at the time. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, sort of 
the uncensored version is probably what Carl told you, but it was a it was a memorable trip. Let's put it like that. Yeah, excellent. You were nearly responsible for uh, depriving many a Premiership club of club of some star players. Yeah, yeah, the defense. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I can imagine a lot of defense coaches would have been happy though to not see him back in the Premiership. That's for sure. <laughs> exactly. Well, Mark. Oh. Fa- Thank you so much for coming on. You've been an absolute no tremen- tremendous guest. We're definitely having oh. you on again. Huge thanks to Mark for coming on today. Remember, find him on Twitter, at SausageLegs10. Tweet him, uh, show him a bit of love, show him that you appreciate him coming on the show. And also, if there's anyone else that you think I should talk to, let me know immediately. I'd be most grateful, particularly if it turns out like that interview. Also, whilst we're talking about uh, announcements and all the rest of it, Egg Chasers, me, Tim and Phil are off out to Romania. We are doing a live show there prior to the Romania-Georgia game. Flights are dirt cheap, get yourself out there. And the podcast is free too, so you can watch all the Six Nations on the Saturday. On the Sunday morning slash afternoon, we'll be doing a live podcast. Then we're going to pile onto some buses or taxis or whatever it may be, go to the game. What could possibly go wrong? So if you fancy that, come on board. We've got a Facebook event group up. So go onto our Facebook page. There's an event. Register your um, interest. And that's it. It's dead easy. And we'll have a good time. Uh, Next week, we'll be joined by Philippe Saint-André. So that should be good fun. And until that time, let the boys play. And I'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.